Looks like we're doing the same thing we did last week, but we're not. Uh, this is a short series of messages on decision-making and the will of God. And last week I told you that I believe all of life is shaped by a series of, of critical moments and the decisions that we make uh, during those moments. Our decisions, uh, our response during those critical moments set the stage for all of life. They don't come every day, those moments, but they come in every life. And we said they don't come because we calendar them, we plan them onto the calendar of our life, but because God is the one who sovereignly puts them on the calendar of our life. And I made just two major points last week in the message that... Uh, First, we should always live alert to moments that are appointments with God. We have spiritual antennas. I don't know how to say that, but we do some way. We can sense when God is at work. If you're a believer, you know when, when the Lord is at work in an area, you just know that. And so our spiritual antennas, so to speak, always ought to be alert to those moments. We ought to be looking for such a moment, anticipating such a moment. And second, we said that should we encounter one of those moments, uh, that we ought to make up our minds in advance that we will immediately be obedient to God, that we will not question God or what he said, that we will just do what God asks us to do. Now this evening, we're going to look back. We, we were in Genesis chapter 11 last week, and we were in between Genesis chapter 11 and 12 in some verses that aren't written, some things that, aren't, that we find out about in Acts chapter 7, we find out there's a gap between Genesis chapter 11 and chapter 12. But tonight, we're going to be in chapter 12. And as you open your Bible to chapter 12, the first thing you see is God speaking to Abraham. If you weren't here last Sunday night, one of the things that we found out last Sunday night from Acts chapter 7 is that Genesis 12 is not the first time that God spoke to Abraham. Stephen told us that God spoke to Abraham when he and not only spoke to him, but appeared to him when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and called him to go to Canaan. Abraham apparently didn't respond. Terah responded, his father. Circumstances arose in Abraham's life where his daddy said, we're moving and they did move, and they went as far as Haran, and you settled there. Has there ever been a time in the past when God spoke to you? What did you sense that he wanted you to do? Did you do it? Did you obey the voice of God? Well, in chapter 12, the next time that God speaks, it's no coincidence that we find God saying exactly the same thing to Abraham. He's called Abram at this point. But he said exactly the same thing to him he had said years before. So when we come to Genesis 12, we find that Abraham, after a period of significant delay, finally responds in obedience to God. Chapter 12, verse 1. I'll just read verse 1. Then later we'll read verse 4 and following. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And here's number one in tonight's message. And this is true in every person's life. It was true in Abraham's life. It's true in my life. It's true in your life. The decision to follow God 
is the most significant decision in a person's life. Uh, it's not always an easy decision. Now, if you're eight years old and God is calling you to trust Jesus as your Savior, your biggest step of faith is likely to be the one where God speaks to you and asks you to walk down the aisle and tell the preacher in front of a bunch of people what God has told you. But later, later in life, Following God may mean making major adjustments in your life. You, you just think of the adjustments that were required for Abraham to respond in obedience to God. First, he had to face his family. I don't know if you've ever had that moment in your life, uh, if you've ever had to move, a, a move that required you to transplant your family from everything they knew that was familiar to a place that was strange and new. So, Abraham had to go and talk to his wife. He and, he and Sarah had to have that conversation uh, about what God had told him. And I can tell you this, and I know it from experience, that when God tells you what he wants you to do and you know that it's God, it's not a matter that's open to discussion between you and other people. Uh, you go and report what God has said. You don't go and say, do you think we can but God has said, and as a leader in your family, if you're the one following God, you better say it with enough confidence that God has called you and enough faith that you can trust God in the journey that the person or the persons who will be following you will also have uh, that trust in God. I've made the difficult talk with my wife and children before. I've seen the faces of my children and and, and watched them cry when I told them, uh, God has told Daddy it's time to move. But I tell you, the worst of all was when we moved here and we had two grandchildren living with us, living in our house that we had built, and we drove away and left them in the driveway of our own house crying. And to this day, they think that we left them. That's the way they feel. That was hard. I remind you that when we come to Genesis chapter 12, we come to the first record of God dealing with Abraham in years. As far as we know, there's no written record. But this time, when God spoke, Abraham knew it was time to be obedient. And so I, I have this sense that, that, that and, and I'm saying this in the providence of God because this is where we are in, in looking at the scripture, and this is what we're talking about. Perhaps there's a person here tonight that God is saying to some of you, it's time for you to respond to me. It's time for you to be obedient. And go back to the point that here's on the screen. The most significant decision in your life will be your personal decision to follow God. Now, obviously, we can all go back to some moment in our life when God spoke to us and we stood still. We weren't obedient. God called you perhaps to come to Jesus, to trust Jesus as your Savior, but you resisted or called you to do something else. He, he, he called you to take a step of faith, and you didn't, didn't do it, and since that time, some awful muddy water has passed under the bridge of your life. Things happened that never would have happened if you had been obedient to God. I don't know what those things are, but you know. And tonight, God may be speaking again. And like Abraham, he has come around and he's saying the same thing to you that he said the last time. 
Perhaps he's calling you to open your heart to the Lord Jesus and his will for your life and calling you to the front of this church to tell, tell the pastor what God has said to you or tell the church. Will that be easy? No. But it'll be the most significant decision that you make in your life up until that point in your life. And that decision, the decision to follow God will shape the rest of your life. You find it over and over in Scripture. When a person makes a decision to follow God, it shapes the rest of their life from that moment forward. Now, these aren't things that it takes a rocket science, scientist or a theologian to understand. These are clear truths from God's Word, things that we know. Number two, if I follow God, then I must be willing to leave things behind. If you thumb through the pages of Scripture, noting the journeys of men and women who follow, who follow God, you will find that nearly all of them had to leave something behind. Abraham uh, once made the mistake of clinging to the predictable and comfortable when he was still living in Mesopotamia. But this time he knew he had no choice to respond to this call from God. He's just one of many biblical characters who was compelled to leave everything behind to follow God. One of the best examples to me uh, in all the scripture is the story of Elisha. Uh, Elisha was just an everyday ordinary guy. He was obviously interested in God and uh, but one day he's out doing what he does for his folks. He's living with his parents and uh, he's plowing. He's plowing in a field with his plow and his oxen and Elijah comes by and he drops his mantle on him, and which is an indication to, and he knows Elijah is a prophet, like a preacher. And Elijah, Elisha at that point realizes that when Elijah puts his mantle on me, he's saying to me that God has chosen me. And now there's a decision for me to make. And let me just pick up in 1 Kings chapter 19, in the middle of verse 19, and read through verse 21. Elisha was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him, and he with the 12th. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. Elisha left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, and I will follow you. Now that's the first thing. He had to go to his parents and say, God has called me away on a mission to follow him, and I must go. And so Elijah said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So he returned from following him, and on his journey back, the Bible says that Elisha took the pair of oxen that he was plowing with, sacrificed them, and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. Was that a major adjustment? Was it? Well, he, it represents leaving behind all that he knew and burning his bridges of dependency upon his former way of life. There was nothing to go back to. He was called to follow God. Now, I told you last week how much in, in the early days of my life I valued the familiar. I told you 
that if it had been up to me, I never would have left my hometown, but God had a different plan for my life, a better plan. Do you suppose he has a better plan for you? And can you trust God with his plan for your life? Now that's the question you've got to answer because if you can say yes to that, if you can just look at the scripture and look at the stories we find in the Bible and say, well, based on what I see in the Bible, I should be able to trust God without any fear at all to plan my life for me. And I can, I can follow him without fear. That doesn't mean it'll always be easy, but I can follow him knowing that he's going to take care of me on my journey. That's, the, that's an upfront decision that you need to make. He, he spoke to Jeremiah, and he speaks through Jeremiah to us today. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, and I told you, I've told you before that when I was in Hamilton, Alabama for 19 years and four months as their pastor, it was on the door of my office. I plastered it there when I got there. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. It was a good thing I had that on my door because there was a lot of calamity in that period of 19 years and four months. But I was confident all along the way that God was in charge and that God was taking care of me. So decades after Abraham's delay in obedience, he might have forgotten his initial call from God. Isn't that the way it works? Sometimes God, it was so long ago when God spoke to us that we don't even remember that he spoke to us until he speaks to us again. And there he is saying the same thing he said to us before. The Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now verse 4 of Genesis chapter 12. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed Haran. Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his nephew and all their possessions which they had accumulated and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. They set out for the land of Canaan. You remember in chapter 11, they settled in Haran. This time, they set out for the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the Oak of Mori. Now, the Canaanite was then in the land. Verse 7, remember, the Lord appeared in Mesopotamia in chapter 11 and said, Remember, come. Didn't say that in chapter 12, verse 1. Instead, in chapter 12, verse 1, after all these years, the Lord said, go. But then after Abraham went, look what happens in verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Abram journeyed on, uh, continuing toward the Negev. Now the decision to follow God and adjusting his plans to God was for Abraham at that point in his life, the most significant decision of his life. And when God calls you, there will be things for you to leave behind. It might be a place. 
It might be a people. It might be your family. It might be patterns of living. It might be priorities. You remember Peter and Andrew. When Jesus called them, what did they have to do? They left their nets and, and their father and their boats, and uh, they followed Jesus. James and John, the same thing. Elisha left his family, turning his tools into an altar, and answered the call to follow God. Henry Blackaby, in the study Experiencing God, some of you have been through that, said, you can't stay where you are and go with God at the same time. Following God will require a major adjustment in your life. Here's number three. Following God always carries with it a measure of uncertainty. Now, no risk in following God because God knows what he's doing. But on your end, following God always carries with it a measure of uncertainty. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, we read, By faith, Abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Did you hear that? He hadn't a clue. He didn't know exactly what God was doing. He didn't know what all God's plans were. He didn't know when this was going to happen and when that was going to happen. He was following God. If you follow God, where will he lead you? Well, that's entirely up to God. When you follow him, you must allow your life to be shaped by God's purpose. You trust him with your life. If you map out your own life with no regard for God's purpose, then you may discover that you're one of those people who, and I quote Henry Blackaby again, who finds that you, you spent your whole life Climbing a ladder, the ladder that is your purpose for your life, only to find out that you've had that ladder leaned against the wrong wall when you get to the top of it and you've missed God's mission for your life. I love a couple of writers. One of them is F.B. Meyer. And commenting on Abraham's uncertain journey, a journey that required absolute faith in God, this is what he says. So long as we are quietly at rest... Amid favorable and undisturbed surroundings, faith sleeps as an undeveloped sinew within us. But when we are pushed out from all these surroundings with nothing but God to look to, then faith grows suddenly into a giant oak, a master principle of life. It may not be necessary for us to withdraw from home and friends, but we shall have to withdraw our heart's deepest dependence from all earthly props and supports, if we are ever to learn what it is to trust simply and absolutely on the eternal God. I've got nothing else to lean on, no one else to lean on, no one else to depend on, no one else to cry to, no one else to ask for help. Now I want to meddle just a little bit because I want to address those who should be Abraham's in our congregation. Abraham really was a, he was a father of the faithful, okay? So some of you can be fathers of the faithful and mothers of the faithful. When was it that Abraham made the adjustment in his life, by the way? Was he 18 years old? Was he, was he early, fresh, had fresh legs and fresh energies and fresh vision? No, he was 75 years old. 
He was a 75-year-old man who suddenly woke up to the activity of God, heard the voice of God, and followed the call of God. Some, some of us sometimes can make age a major factor in following God. Instead of being a leader in pursuing God, sometimes when we get a little older, we can take a back seat. Our passion is for the past and, and for the recliner, but your relationship with God is never about the past. Your relationship with God is about right now. It is about what God is doing and wants to do in you and through you but instead of being the most passionate worshiper in the congregation because of where you've been and what you know, you've moved to the back seat of the bus. Instead of setting the example by your leadership, you want your, your toes to cling to where you are instead of following God. And I understand that. Another someone that I like to read is J. Sidlow Baxter. You've heard me mention him before. Uh, I have the book because... Miss Mary Evelyn gave it uh, 40 years ago to a lady in another church, and the lady passed it on to me. He says here, Did you know that as a rule the elderly have the best quality abilities? I won't make you raise your hand if you're elderly, by the way. There are statistics that show that the richest productivity in life lies between the 60th and 70th birthdays. A survey was done of 400 names of the most noted men of all times. In that group, there were statesmen, soldiers, painters, poets, and authors. Opposite each name was placed what was considered to be that person's greatest achievement. Then the list was submitted to competent critics to make sure the achievement placed against each man's name was his masterpiece. The following remarkable percentages appeared. 35% created their greatest masterpiece between ages of 60 and 70. 23% between 70 and 80. 6% were over 80. 64% of the world's greatest masterpieces were produced by people who were over 60 years old. He goes on to say, not only do older people have the best quality abilities, they give the richest quality Christian service, who can pray with such understanding? Who can sympathize with such seasoned feeling? Who can counsel with such gathered prudence? You have a lot to offer if you're an Abraham. Don't say, well, I'm too old to be in that position in the church. You're not too old. God may wait to call you until you're 75 years old. So Moses was 80 when he met God at the burning bush and John by all accounts by, by scholars estimation was in his 90s when he wrote the book of Revelation perhaps there's no greater period of uncertainty than in our latter years but those who choose to follow God in obedience discover the following and this is the last point the life of a person who follows God will be a life of tremendous blessing if we back up one verse from where we were earlier, from verse 4 to verse 3, God made Abraham a tremendous promise. He said, In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Is that true about your life? 
Is, is, is God blessing the lives of other people through you? The decision to follow God impacts the lives of all around you. We, we've talked before about the ripples that spread outward from your life, like you throw a rock in a pond and the ripples go outward, and how far outward do they go? Well, they go all the way across the pond. If it's a little rock or if it's a great big rock, it, it, they go all the way across the pond. And so you become a blessing then to your, to your wife and you become a blessing to your children and to your grandchildren, to your church and to your community. And, and, and the potential is, the potential is that God will touch the world through your life just like he did through the life of Abraham. But if you choose not to follow God, if you choose to link your life to the past, to the comfortable and the familiar, instead of stepping out in faith to follow God, the negative impact of that disobedience will have a ripple effect and it'll impact your wife and your children and your grandchildren and your church and your community. And it has the potential of having a negative impact on the entire world. God told Abraham, Abraham, he, first he said, come. And, and Abraham went part way, but not all the way. And then he said, go. And finally, Abraham went, still uncertain. But look at what God did. Look at this man's life. There, he, he's he's the, the major figure outside the Lord Jesus Christ in all the Bible. Abraham, this man of faith who followed God, began that journey when he was 75 years old. It's the most significant decision a person will ever make in their life. When you choose to follow God, you can no longer cling to, cling to the comfortable and the familiar. There may be some things that God asks you to leave behind. Following God always carries with it a measure of uncertainty because you won't know everything that God is doing. But I can tell you this. Doug, God's always working behind the scenes just as he was this morning no one in the service had any doubt that you didn't have any doubt that God put together the song service this morning, maybe as much for you as for anybody else because he knew where you would be. He knew the journey of your life. He knew where it would take you. Do you suppose that God knows the same thing about you and that he has plans that you don't know anything about? that he has rendezvous, arrangements, encounters planned for you that require you to be obedient, that require you to take steps of faith. And when you do, things happen that only God could do. Let's pray.